If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a reoccurring or one-time donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate Now button. Donations made to Mayflower's Radio Fund are tax-deductible and go toward keeping this podcast available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City by the Reverend Lori Walkie, Associate Minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe that religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Lori Walkie. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we've been telling ourselves, reminding ourselves, comforting ourselves with the same phrase, this is not normal. Calling dictators very honorable is not normal. Threatening to jail political opponents is not normal. The militarization of the police is not normal. Dangling pardons in front of people under investigation is not normal. The forced separation of immigrant children from their parents at the border is not normal. Patriotism defined by the NFL is not normal. The intensity of homophobic, xenophobic, sexist, and racist rhetoric is not normal. This is not normal. And yet, if we were honest, all of this has been utterly, shamefully normal. If only we had believed women if only we had believed black people, if only we had believed black women, if only we had believed American Muslims. They have been trying to tell us that all of this is indeed normal. We've just been fooling ourselves, pretending our subtle, our unspoken, our unacknowledged bias hasn't just finally made it to the big stage. Self-reflection can be the worst. So that's why we came to church, to confess and repent, Holy One, to figure out how we can do better, how to make the world fit for children, which includes but is not limited to enacting meaningful gun laws, expanding Medicaid, spending more on treatment than on in incarceration, codifying the words, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, in our immigration laws and stop punishing people for being poor, for being black, for being female. When we do those things, it will be you who says, this is not normal, followed quickly by, they must be getting it. So help us, we pray, as we work to make that day happen sooner rather than later. We pray in the name of our Jesus, of Jesus, our teacher and organizer. Amen. 
Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male or female slave or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock, or the resident alien in your towns, so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. Remember, you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Here ends the reading inspired by God. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. Ooh, we all know how sermons about keeping the Sabbath go. First, depressing statistics about how we don't honor the Sabbath, followed by guilt over not keeping the Sabbath, then assurances that keeping the Sabbath does not make a person lazy. So let me at least start this sermon about keeping the Sabbath in the traditional way by giving you those statistics about how Americans are terrible about keeping the Sabbath. Full-time employed Americans work on average 47 hours per week, about an hour and a half more than they reported a decade ago. Americans also get fewer vacation days than their peers elsewhere. U.S. workers get about 15 days off compared to Europeans who are given about 28 days. The average U.S. employee who receives paid vacation only takes about half of those days. And of course, not all U.S. employees have paid vacation. Too many Americans don't even have earned sick leave. So when they get sick, they must decide between losing their job or losing their health. The same goes if their children get sick. It's either the job that puts food on the table or their children's health. Sabbath? What's Sabbath? People need paid sick leave. Of course, Things are not always the worst in the United States. Workers at Foxconn, a company known for building the iPhone and for installing suicide nets around their factories, still labor 53 hours per week. And that's after bad publicity pressured the company to institute work hour reductions. According to UNICEF, about 40,000 children work in cobalt mines in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Children as young as seven work shifts up to 24 hours underground. I could tell you what they make per day, but that might imply that a certain number would make this acceptable. Why do we have children mining cobalt Well, we need it for batteries in our smartphones that we all carry and other electronics. And we need them for the batteries for the electric cars we all want so that everybody knows what good liberals we are. I mean, it would be great if liberals were known not by our bumper stickers but by our demands for responsibly sourced cobalt. Let's be better liberals. But also, as your pastor, I'd really rather us all just be Better Christians, they will know us by our love. Globalized capitalism has produced a crisis of labor without end, which 
always ends with the most vulnerable taking the full brunt of things. The thing is, we have scripture for that. It says, there's no rest for the wicked and the righteous don't need it. No, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. Just like God won't give you more than you can handle or God helps those who help themselves, there's no rest for the wicked and the righteous don't need it, is not in the Bible. Quite the opposite, as you've already heard the scripture lesson for the day, observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. For six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, a scheduled rest, a day. Sometimes we manage it on the weekends, although it doesn't necessarily mean we are observing the Sabbath. We do not rest. We recharge. The weekend, the holiday, and the vacation are not really for the worker, but for the employer. This is made clear in how vacation usage is reported to us. U.S. News reported that some analysts are worried that the refusal of Americans to take vacation is hurting, wait for it, is hurting the economy. Apparently, our unused vacation days translates into about $223 billion lost in spending that would be otherwise funneled into the domestic economy. In other words, it isn't the mental and physical consequences of not taking time off on Americans. We're really, really worried about the effect on the bottom line, the negative impact on productivity. The Sabbath, though, is modeled on the seven-day creation cycle in the first chapter of Genesis and then further spelled out in Exodus, which is then slightly, mm, I would say elucidated in Deuteronomy. You heard it again. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord. For the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. In the biblical text, work is primarily associated with creation, not production, not productivity. Concerns for productivity and therefore accumulation appear far from the mind. Rather, we are being instructed to model our time after God's time. Observing the Sabbath is a matter of holiness as we learn from the people of Israel, the original audience for this text, keeping the Sabbath was one of the most important indications of faithfulness for Israelites, a particular identifier, not only internal to the community itself, but for those outside of the community. Theologian Marcus Borg argues that no aspect of the quest for holiness was so publicly visible to the non-Jewish world as the observance of the Sabbath. By the first century, it had become one of the hallmarks of Judaism, widely commented upon by writers in the Greco-Roman world and exploited by Gentiles when attacking or persecuting Israel. The command to observe the Sabbath is the only one of the Ten Commandments explicitly linked to holiness. 
violation of it was not simply a personal matter, but a national concern. For Israel, threatened both by persecution and assimilation, Sabbath observance became the chief way of preserving Jewish communal identity and the Jewish vocation. Throughout the centuries, what was allowed and what was forbidden on the Sabbath became very precise. During the second century BCE, rabbinic schools devoted serious attention to Sabbath statutes. 39 categories of work were articulated, and those categories were eventually subdivided six and then 39 more times. This was not necessarily burdensome. Most of the legislation developed and expanded was about what was permitted, not the other way around. Sabbath law became one of the most developed fields of rabbinic law. And so, of course, as happens with most measures of holiness, there were folks who adopted a very legalistic understanding, sort of like perfect attendance in Sunday school or prayer before meals. Sometimes these things can become about checking boxes and making divisions instead of practices intended to deepen spirituality. To some degree, the Pharisees took on this role. For the Pharisees, the party in public life most rigorously committed to holiness, precise observance of the Sabbath was among the more important matters which separated the Pharisees from ordinary Jews. Enter Jesus, an ordinary Jew with an extraordinary sense of justice and subsequently an obsession with the Sabbath. Stories of conflict between Jesus and the authorities about the Sabbath are found in all four Gospels. Tradition indicates that Jesus deliberately chose the Sabbath as an issue over which to do battle, not, as some insist, over sexuality, the ordination of women, or the color of the carpet in the church parlor. In fact, both Mark and John attribute the initial movement to put Jesus to death to hostility over Jesus' violation of the Sabbath. You know the stories from Mark. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus rebuked their legalistic understanding, saying, the Sabbath was made for humankind, not, the, not humankind for the Sabbath. And another example, again, Jesus entered the synagogue, and a man was there who had a withered hand. And they watched him to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so they might accuse him. And Jesus said to the man who had the withered hand, come here. Then he said to the Pharisees, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or to kill? The question was not simply about the presenting case, the need for immediate mercy, although I'm sure the man with the withered hand was grateful. Rather, the question was about the hardness of heart that is linked to a fundamental misunderstanding of the Sabbath itself. Sabbath is not about following the rules but about justice, doing what is right. Jesus was reminding them of the Deuteronomy text, which roots the Sabbath 
injustice. Jesus knew that this was not simply about modeling our time on God's time, but embodying God's time. The Sabbath is a weekly recapitulation of the liberating work of God, a time specifically intended to bring relief to people, especially the enslaved and the refugees. You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male or female slave or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the resident alien in your towns so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. The Sabbath is about rest, but it is also about care for those who are marginalized, particularly those who are economically marginalized. This is Jesus' understanding of the Sabbath and why we find Jesus taking the initiative to heal on the Sabbath. We find a pattern in the Gospels where the sick, those who are sick, they wait until the Sabbath is over to approach Jesus. But Jesus seeks out the marginalized on the Sabbath, pushing the issue Jesus' Sabbath healing never involves a case in which there was a danger to life. That he did not wait until the day after the Sabbath suggests deliberate provocation. For Jesus' Sabbath was indeed about identity and holiness, but in a different way than he had been raised. Anyone here know the feeling? So about being better Christians, we can start with the Sabbath. Only we don't need to worry about whether or not we've been lazy enough for it to count or whether or not we've taken all our vacation days because followers of the way know that observing the Sabbath is about justice. How are we ensuring freedom for the enslaved, like those babies in the Congo, which is certainly dependent on our own enslavement to being plugged in all the time? What relief are we giving to the refugee, to the legal resident, to those without documents? Do they get a Sabbath too? Or is that only for those with fair skin born in certain countries? Or asked another way, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? to save life or to kill. Ah, we indeed have a scripture for that. Keep the Sabbath. There's a lovely Hasidic story of a rabbi who always told his people that if they studied the Torah, it would put scripture on their hearts. One of them asked, why on our hearts and not in them? The rabbi answered, only God can put scripture inside, but reading sacred text can put it on your heart, and then when your heart breaks, the holy words will fall inside. So with that in mind, let me read the sacred text again. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commands you to keep the Sabbath day. 
As the headlines and the news break our hearts, we hear our neighbors cry out for justice. Thank God we have a scripture for that. Observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. Observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. And, and be sure to let us know what justice you plan to wage so that we can join in. Amen. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Lori Waukee, Associate Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. with adult education classes at 10 a.m. Mayflower also has a full church school for children of all ages available during the 11 a.m. service. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.